the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one today, Jerry Agar is here from the Jerry Agar Show. Deb Hutton, former senior advisor to two Ontario premiers. Scott Reed, former advisor to a prime minister and now News Talk 1010 and CTV political commentator. Good to have you all. Let's actually start with, and I'm curious about your takes on this because I, it doesn't fly up my nose the way it does other people. But Bonnie Crombie found herself having to defend herself yesterday after being attacked by all of her rival candidates at a debate on Sunday over the fact that she has accepted donations from developers. Uh, let me start with Scott Reed. Um, you know, these are business people. Um, I don't think that they give money without thinking one day there might be some sort of consideration. That's what corporations and individuals in business do. But the idea that they're buying and selling the, the future possible leader of the party seems a bit rich look she's the front runner for the leadership and so you're going to expect that you're going to draw fire and she stumbled out of the gate on the issue of the green belt and she's the mayor in mississauga and so she has traditionally attracted a lot of support from the development community so all that's going to happen i, I think the question really is you know how, it isn't is she going to get this attack from you know from her opponents in the race and from others it's it's like how skillful is she in managing it and i don't think she's looked very skillful i don't think she's looked very sure and that's a worrying sign because you know bonnie's got the profile she's got the credentials as a mayor she's got the experience she has to show she's a good candidate i think even this email like unless her campaign came to the conclusion this issue was just absolutely corroding her support why would you send a note to every single person in the membership and say i just wanted in case you happen to miss the criticism my opponents are making i wanted to advertise it to you by way of saying that it's not fair so when you're forced to make that decision it's because you think this has become a real problem has it reached that level for her internally my guess is not and if that's right then this is a bit of a miscue on her part and her part a part of her campaign she's going to win this race she should win this race but she hasn't looked like a steady candidate and blunting attacks is part of demonstrating that you got what it takes to be the leader and a competitive candidate for premier. Yeah, as a campaign maneuver, Deb Hutton, it does seem a bit bush because it turns a one-day story into a two-day story. Yeah, I agree with everything Scott said. I mean, there's two additional points I want to make, uh, which is, you know, the better way to have done this is to say to her three opponents, now we're down to three, listen, if you want to bring forward a policy in the Liberal Party that we will accept no donations from anyone in the development community, then say so. Otherwise, you know, we should be embracing people who are building houses. The second point is, this issue for her is particularly difficult because she didn't step down as mayor when she should have. And so it does leave open the notion that she might have today, not, you know, as premier, but she might have the ability to actually reward these donors. Jerry Agar, your thoughts? Well, all I would add to this is if I were one of the other three, I'd be attacking her as well because polling I'm looking at this morning shows her at 29%, and the next down the list is Erskine Smith at 9%. This looks like a walk away for her, so they, the other team is desperate. Yeah, it does seem a bit reminiscent of the mayoral race, as a matter of fact. Well, where, hang on, hang on, guys. you yeah. got to remember something. Okay, so, so one, I think Jerry's right, and it's why I wouldn't have sent out that email. But two, those numbers can be deceptive. First of all, they're not th – those are – those are polls of uh, party of those who identify as liberals, not party members. So it's right. a slightly different pool, and it matters. But secondly, when you, to, in order to win this race, 
you have to have an overwhelming front runner number on the first ballot or you need to be able to attract other people and the other candidates are there for you because you it's it's this delegate it's this uh ranked system so proportionate system so 29 percent isn't actually and if that were to be the true number jerry that that math is not overwhelming like lots of people have gotten 29 percent on the first ballot in these uh in, in these kinds of contests and gotten hunted down and killed by somebody from a come from behind these these kinds of proportionate delegate systems they're built to kill front runners well all i was looking at was the separation and i you know i don't know the inside politics of party politics the way you do yeah well it's a ranked ballot isn't it so anything can happen with a ranked ballot we'll see when we get there on the second of december um somebody was trying to persuade me that we need a national school food program and i said that seems like a bit of a luxury doesn't it i mean i get feeding hungry kids but feeding all kids and they said well we're the only g7 country that doesn't do this let me start with jerry yeager you know, I was watching some ads over the last few days on television. This little girl um, doesn't have breakfast, and she goes to school, and she can't pay attention, etc. And then somebody comes around, and uh, they drop a lunch on her desk, and everything's all wonderful now, and the sun shines, and the angels sing, and, and it's all good. And I look at this, and I'm saying, yeah, but this whole idea of this school lunch program makes a kid not being fed a me and you problem. I, why is it not a child endangerment problem at the parent level? Like, who doesn't feed their kids? I, I would not pay the rent. I would not do... I would, you feed your kids. That's job number one. Yeah, okay. Deb Hutton, uh, your thoughts? Well, my initial thought, which is maybe a little offside here, is why is the federal government involved in education at the classroom level, which is what this is? Like, I don't understand why the federal government, and I believe Trudeau actually said he would bring forward this program. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It, it's Anyhow, it'll cost a fortune to do it, and I don't think you're going to get the benefits of it. Secondly, most of the schools that I am familiar with, because the school boards are involved as if you're going to do it, they should be, have some form of nutritional program in the morning. That, in my view, is completely adequate. It's usually the type of program where any kid can go and grab a snack, so you get past the stigma, stick with that, leave it at the provincial and school board level, and stay out of it, federal government. Scott Reed, I get the thinking that people will raise, or the argument that people will raise as to why this should be available to all students. They say, well, otherwise, you're sort of labeling some kids as being challenged. But still, it seems like a lot of money to spend in order to, you know, respect that. Well, if you were talking about creating a national program from Ottawa that would burst its way through the doors of every single school in every corner and community, then yeah, it would be expensive and it would be odd. But I, I have to quarrel with Jerry. I mean, food insecurity is a real issue, and it isn't just because you got crummy parents. There are plenty of wonderful parents that are stretched, and they're all having to cut corners on their food budget. That's just, I mean, th there's just evidence after evidence after evidence. Look at the oversubscription of food banks, particularly as we see cost of living galloping ahead. And so, so this, so the truth is this: the truth is that kids are going to school hungry. Not every kid, but lots of kids. Enough that we ought to be asking ourselves what can be done about it. A giant national program that sort of standardizes everything isn't the, isn't what makes sense but trying to figure out a ma mechanism where there's some financial support so that the school boards are able to identify which schools in particular need programs to help in the way that Deb's talking about I think doing more in that space makes sense it doesn't have to be like some big jurisdictional intervention but saying to ourselves you know what kids don't learn when they're hungry that's just a fact and more of them are hungry these days because of the way the economy is I think it makes good sense. And by the way, final thing, a 
bucket load of those teachers are picking up food for their uh, students. They recognize there's three kids in their class that aren't coming fed well enough, and they're and they're actually bringing food in again out of their pocket. That happens all the time. Maybe I'm the only one on this panel that's actually had to go to a food bank to feed my kids at some point in my life, during the darkest point in my life. I know what that's like, I know what that feels like, but I did it because job number one is to feed your children. Speaking of the economy, apparently retirees, and this is from uh, the delightfully named CARP, uh, retirees are going back to work to make ends meet. Some of them are doing this voluntarily just because they're bored. But Scott Reed, I'll start with you. Others, because they don't, they, you know, they can't get by. And I guess there's many arguments that could be made here, but I'll let you guys do it. Oh, these damn boomers. Now they're old and they won't leave the workforce. They won't leave their homes. The prices go up. <laughs> I mean, good God, you people. Um, and I, yes, I'm talking about my mother. Uh, look, you know, that's the reality of it. The boomers are this gigantic, gigantic, you know, battle carrier in the middle of our demographics. And now they're retiring and, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I, I make less money and I don't like that as much. So I'll stay in the workforce. It's going to have distorting effects. So um you know uh, take your cpp later so that you'll have a bigger payout and go when you're 70 because now you're going to live to be 91 instead of 77 you know <clears throat> we're going to have to it, it this it, the boomer the aging boomer just affects so much and i, I i'm joking but i'm not joking like it, it affects so much you know in the workforce uh in their homes not leaving their homes uh the effects of you know moving them into retirement homes and the stress that puts on the system and the demands that requires like demographics baby it's a big deal well and one of the phenomenon we're seeing these days deb hutton is some people are retiring in debt and they're, or they're retiring with a mortgage. Although sometimes it's because they want to give money to their kids for university and stuff like that, in which case it's not necessarily the state's problem. With all due respect, why are you retiring if you still have a mortgage? Like, I don't understand this. One of the women in this story that, that we're talking about, John, is 64. Well, I don't expect to retire at 64. Many people I know are working because they want to, maybe because they need to, and I just don't know that, into their 70s. Like, if you're a civil servant in this province, you can retire in your mid-50s, which I just think is absolutely bonkers. But if you want to do it, fill your boots. Don't expect me to feel bad for you. It's the but it's good if they retire then. What's that? It's good if they retire then. Then they create upper mobility for younger people in the workforce. Yeah, but they collect a pension. Hey, you know what? I'm going to be shoveling gravel to the day I drop in the harness. It's just the real. <laughs> but that's my point, right? Like, these are all life choices we make. I don't want to feel, I don't feel, it's not that I don't want to, I don't feel bad for somebody who says at 64, I've already retired, but man, I need to go back to work just to have a better lifestyle. Jerry yeah? Agar, last word. You know what I couldn't find in that article? Mm. How many of these people who are finding themselves having to go back to work at 64, 68, whatever it is, are uh, in the public sector? I don't know. Because the public sector keeps growing. It's an ever-increasing portion of our working population. It's at all, almost at 20% now. The government uh, federally has exploded in size since Trudeau took over. And part of our problem is we're paying for that. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. A lively discussion as always. Jerry Agar, Deb Hutton, and Scott Reed. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.